Welcome to the IYNA podcast, the best place to get your latest info on everything neuroscience related. We yeah. have Matthew, Adia, Ellie, and Clarinda, who's not here. But it's okay, she's here in spirit. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Alright, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the IYNA podcast. We've been away for kind of a hiatus, like five months, six months, something like that. Um, it's okay though. <laughs> because we made it through. We made it through apps. Yeah. Woo! Woo! And now we're all gonna be going to college eventually. Woo! Yeah. And so now we are back to share this moment with you because we miss you guys as listeners. We, miss you guys. we do miss you guys. <laughs> and so today, what are we gonna be talking about? We are talking about the gut microbiome before we start. We have three hosts today. I'm Adia. I'm Matthew. I'm Ali. Ali's here with us again. Yeah. yeah. Florinda is not here presently, but she's always here in spirit. In spirit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now the gut microbiome. It's a pretty vast topic for us to be talking about. So, um, and not everyone really knows about it as it's a pretty new field of research. And so we just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background information. So the gut microbiome is a vast network of microbiota spanning thousands of bacteria, fungi, parasites, and viruses. It sounds kind of gross, but I promise it's not. <laughs> the network itself is unique to each person and is determined by DNA. And so it's comprised by both helpful and harmful bacteria. So most are symbiotic in that the human body and the microbiota both benefit, but in small amounts, like small amounts of parasitic bacteria actually promote disease. So in a healthy body, both types of microbiota coexist peacefully, but when there's a disturbance, which is caused through like illness, antibiotics, or certain diets, normal interactions between both kinds of microbiota occurs, and that is what is called dysbiosis. (laughs) I can speak. (laughs) Now, so this is like all pretty basic information about the gut, and um, though we often hear about the connections between the gut and the immune system or general health, new research in the gut's effect on neuroscience is a new and exciting field, and it further proves the deep and expansive connections between the brain and the body. So... Just to start us off, just some fun facts. Some <laughs> hard facts. <laughs> According to the Scientific American, citing Bonnie Bassley, it's a really fun name, from Princeton University, comparing the, um, she, she compared the approximate 30,000 genes to the 3 million bacterial genes inhabiting us, mm-hmm. and that technically makes us 1% human. Oh. If by using that metric alone, if our genes are... 30,000... Like Sorry, genes. thirty thousand human genes, three million bacterial genes, genes just living in us. In in you. In us. So in terms of that metric, just by DNA alone, you are really only one percent human. That's weird. That's a, that's a philosophical <laughs> it's, thing. It's wild. Like there's. Yeah. There's like a lot of like debates that go on that talks about like whether our like decisions are our own or if mm-hmm. it's just like you know the, like these like the three actions million of the bacteria. Things. well like here's the thing is like i mean they're bacteria but like you're the one who has the consciousness right yeah that's true so, so like, it's like I, maybe I it's know, like man. a combination like, of the two being, like puppeted by these gut microbiome <laughs> like, who so knows is that does that have to be bad I don't know. There's, like, a lot of different, like, debates on that, but I thought that was pretty interesting. It turns out that these bacteria are heavily involved with the development of neurological and behavioral disorders, as Matthew, Ali, and I will go into later. Mm -hmm. Um, And as an example, so the gut bacteria have an influence on the body's use of vitamin B6, and vitamin B6 modulates immune response and, in turn, autoimmune disorders such as multiple sclerosis and um, neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's. Parkinson's, which is what I'll touch on yeah. later. So, I mean, you're talking about, like, 
immune system, right? And guess what I looked into? I looked into the immune system. Of course. <laughs> right? And so as we're like a neuroscience podcast, like initially I was like, what does gut microbiome have to do with like the brain? Like I can get that like it helps with like your gut health or something like that, yeah. you know? Like gets the nutrients from the gut or whatever. But it turns out it also has a lot to do with mental health. So actually first I'm going to touch a bit on the physical health because that's like the pretty apparent part. Um, and then I'm, me and Ali are going to go a little bit more into how it kind of connects to the brain. Um, so as I was saying earlier, the gut microbiome responds to the immune system and it, it kind of coexists with the immune system. And so the microbiome in a way helps to educate the immune system on what to do. Um, and so in response, like the immune system just works with the gut microbiome, like it doesn't kill it all. It just like they just coexist together. Um, and so for physical health, what this means is that there's actually a lot of ways that these gut microbiome affect physical health. So one example is cardiovascular disease. So cardiovascular disease is actually really closely linked with the gut microbiome called TMAO. Mm -hmm. And so when we have more TMAO as like a gut microbiome, actually, I don't think this is a very positive gut microbiome because the oh, more yeah. TMAO there is, um, there's a higher risk of cardiovascular events. Oh. And so like we know <laughs> the gut microbiome that. can be like on the good side or it can be on the bad side. Right. So TMAO kind of, it, it, um, I forgot the word for it. It metabolizes. It metabolizes <laughs> from some gut microbiome, and then this TMAO like increases the risk of cardiovascular events. And so, antibiotics actually takes care of this. So, actually, not all gut microbiome is good, and that's mm -hmm. the distinction we have to make. Um, that being said, there's like other diseases or like sicknesses like Clostridium difficile, which is like your typical stomach ache wow. or nausea. What a fancy um, name I for know, stomach for ache. For stomach ache because I was looking at it and I was like, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this. And then I just searched it up and I was like, oh, this is like a stomach ache. Um, and so Clostridium difficile is most associated with the gut microbiome um, and treatments that treat the gut microbiome. So, for example, if we like add more or if we eat less oligosaccharides or disaccharides or monosaccharides or polyols like we're gonna have less of these symptoms and you know what really cool mm -hmm. what's really cool <laughs> is that we're gonna have less of these symptoms but why do we have less of these symptoms and this is where we're gonna make the connection between um, the gut microbiome and mental health what's really cool is that our actual symptoms don't necessarily get reduced um, actually whether they get oh. reduced or not is like a little bit murky but what's most interesting is that our brain's perception of these symptoms is significantly reduced. Oh, based on like that, like the, the micro gut microbiome. Wow. So like the way we see our sickness, maybe we're like, oh, wow, like my stomach's kind of hurting less. Mm -hmm. Like there's left some ache, like my bowel isn't moving as much, <laughs> like, <laughs> or whatever. And the reason is not because like it's necessarily moving less. It's just that our brain perceives it as moving less. And so the way the gut kind of influences the brain, super, super interesting. So Ali, I'm gonna hit off to you. How else? And what is kind of the link between the gut microbiome and the brain? Yeah, I'm probably going to go into a bit more technical detail. <laughs> Ooh, warning here. <laughs> um, okay, so the gut-brain axis consists of bidirectional communication between the central and the enteric nervous system, linking emotional and cognitive centers of the brain with peripheral intestinal oh. functions. Mm. Basically, your gut talks to your brain and your brain talks back. The signaling between the microbiota and the gut-brain gut axis appears to be bidirectional um, through neural, endocrine, immune, and humoral links. And mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about the neural and endocrine links. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so for neural, as early as 1998, oral administration of a bacterium to rats in subclinical doses led to anxiety-like behavior, and there wasn't any immune response. And later on, uh, research did confirm that the introduction of the bacteria caused anxiety-like be behavior in mice with, co with concomitant <laughs> activation of parts of the brain that depend on information received from the gut via the vagus nerve. 
And um, okay. one example. So, like, basically when we have, like, so they, they had, like, the microbacteria, right? And then they gave it to the mice, and then it activated the brain. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so that was like kind of proving that like vagus nerve connection. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And how that kind of like made the mice start to exhibit like anxiety. Like, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and then in terms of endocrine, enteroendocrine interface, an important part of host microbe dialogue are the autoantibodies directed against the peptide A melanocyte stimulating hormone. Oof, doozy. <laughs> which is involved in appetite control which has been discovered in both healthy individuals and in subjects with eating disorders. Oh. Mm-hmm. It raised the possibility that across evolution, in close interactions with the host, bacterial taxa could have acquired protein mimetics of mammalian appetite-regulating hormones. Oh. This gives gut, bite- gut bacteria a powerful tool to control the nutrient supply by manipulating the host food intake. Oh wow! So like oh, the parasitic. amount of food that we eat like, is like yeah. affected by them. Wow! It's like not even like I'm eating my food. It's like they're eating their food exactly. through me. <laughs> What's interesting though is that it's like acquired protein mimetics of mammalian appetite. So it's it's mimicking it, mm-hmm. sort of like okay. Well, this is I mean it's sort of like an antagonist or antagonist. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it mimics the it mimics the body's natural like hormones yeah, or like neurotransmitters. Oh wow! That's, That's really interesting. Cool. Yes, grandma left it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, a few years later, a caseinolytic protease B, heat shock protein, was discovered in gut commensal E. coli. E. coli. Yay. <laughs> that is not the correct <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just used a lot in, like, like Everything. experimentation. Like, yeah. A lot. Anyways, this confirmed the, hypo- um, the, the, hypo- the hypothesis that we were talking about earlier. And it was shown that um, these plasma levels were elevated in some eating disorders. And its concentration has been correlated with various psychopathologic traits. Moreover, chronic intragastic delivery of um, the E. coli that expresses this gene in mice stimulated the production of an AMSH reactive antibodies and decreased food intake. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Because, like, our endocrine mm-hmm. system is, like, connected to our brain and, like, the HPA axis. Right, that's or, the connection. Or, like, the, yeah, like, the right. pituitary gland. That kind of regulates how much we eat and, like, mm-hmm. whether we're feeling hungry or not. And so it kind of makes sense that, like, it is linked to this and then it affects our eating levels. But it's cool because, like, our eating levels are not necessarily, like, our brain is like, oh, like, it's enough. We're going to stop eating. It's like the microbiomes are like, yeah. okay, we're done eating. Yeah. Like, now you can stop. <laughs> Oh yeah. my gosh, that adds to that like debate of do we even have our own thoughts or is it just yeah. bacteria? Like, are we just that's so interesting? Well, I mean, like in the case, you know, when it, in the times where it's symbiotic, like that would be good for you, I guess. I like, who else is a better gauge of what's going on internally than like your gut microbiome, right? Like, it's not really you. I feel like we have pretty like biased perceptions of what's going on inside our bodies, but mm-hmm. like that, that's so interesting. Yeah, no, for real, for real. These are only a few of the many neurological impacts the gut-brain axis has on your health. For instance, individuals with autism and eczema have been shown to have a different gut microbiome than other people. Oh. And yeah, now Matthew will talk a little bit more about the mental health effects of gut-brain axis. Yeah, so basically Ali dived in super technical terms as she looked at a few studies of like the endocrine system and how like that sort of like the gut microbiome directly affects. So I'm going to look at like a little bit more broader terms and like how the gut microbiome affects like a different number of mental health um, conditions. 
And so, just like a little brief overview, as Ali was saying earlier, um, the gut microbiome is connected to the brain, and one way that it's connected to the brain is through the autonomic nervous system, which, just to rehash, like, this is the part of our body that kind of handles, like, all the automatic functions, right? Right, it's, so it's like your sympathetic and parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. Sympathetic is more of, like, the fight-and-flight response. Yeah. It's like your th threat response, whereas the parasympathetic is responsible for calming you down. So that's, like, you know, like, your breathing, your heart rate goes down, and so on. Yeah, exactly. And then we also have it's connected to the HPA or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenaline. This has actually come up a few times in our episodes before, like on sleep. Um, and so this controls reactions to stress and regulates many body processes, so digestion, immune system. This is kind of connected to what Ali was saying earlier. Mood and emotion, sexuality, energy storage, expenditure, etc. Um, and it also connects to the gastrointestinal tract um, nerves which link the gut and the brain so this is like the kind of the way that the gut microbiome actually get to the brain so there's like a little process there and the way that the link goes through all these different parts is like the uh, parts of our lives that are affected um, and so the way this happens is like the brain influences intestinal activities like functional immune effector cells which is just cells that defend our body in an immune response right. and so our brain will be like fight fight the virus fight whatever's in here um, versus we'll also have the gut will be influencing the brain's mood its cognition and its mental health in general just because like it has the reverse pathway so like i was saying earlier right it's bi-directional it goes one way or another way and so we're going to look at a 2004 study from pseudo who looked at three groups of mice one was germ free so there was no microorganisms in it at all one was pathogen free so there were some microorganisms in there and they could cause disease and then there was not a biotic which is the scientists were like completely aware of what microorganisms were in the mice okay and so when you have like some with pathogens like there's still like some can some microorganisms that can cause disease but of course some can also be beneficial and so there was two main findings from this study. So one thing is that the BNDF, which is this part of the brain that helps grow neurons. So growing neurons is like good for like mood and honestly everything our brain does, right? They grew less in the germ-free mice. And that was because there's less of these gut microbacteria that are causing the, the brain to grow these neurons. And another thing was that the germ-free had stronger stress response than the pathogen-free mice. And so, for example, when they were like put, okay, this is not necessarily the most ethical way of handling the study, but when they put the mice in like a restraining device, mm -hmm. um, the mice had a stronger response that when they were germ-free um, than the pathogen-free mice when they were put into this thing. And so what they were able to take away from the study is that the brain-gut relationship is bi-directional and that the brain urges the gut bacteria to grow and the gut bacteria kind of pads the different responses the brain has to the surroundings. So we can right. see in this, right, the gut bacteria is like, yo, like, let's, let's stress out less, right? We're yeah. in the restraining, we're being restrained, but it's okay. Like, we're gonna have a less of a stress response, whereas when you have the completely germ-free mice, it's like the stress response is like a lot more. Right, and pathogen, just to like confirm, that's the um, bacteria that's bad for you. Like, it's mm -hmm. the one that causes disease. Yeah, so it has the ones that can cause disease, but right. it also has the ones that are like, okay. Yeah. Okay, I see. So there's like a, a little mix of both. Um, the pathogen used in this context is a little bit different. So, sorry, that was a little bit confusing, but yeah. Um, and then another one I want to look at is how it affects depression. So the mechanism of it affecting depression is pretty interesting. So there's these molecules in our body that, that our body releases to fight disease and they're called pro-inflammatory cytokines. And you know what? These, okay, that was such a doozy. I'm not going to wow. say it again, but these, okay, I don't, I, I got to say it again. <laughs> these pro-inflammatory cytokines, they make our bowels hurt. So when our Ooh. body releases them, 
they're like we fight the disease but they also make our bowels hurt and that's like that's kind of why we got stomach ache right our, 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 our bodies try to fight the the disease and the bad stuff in our gut and they release these pro-inflammatory cytokines and so the levels of these pro-inflammatory cytokines are affected by our gut microbacteria so okay. when we have um some gut microbacteria um, the amount that's released is, it varies based on how much gut microbacteria we have. Now, the connection to depression is that these pro-inflammatory cytokines, like, they are directly an aspect of depression because they decide how much neurotransmitters are produced, pretty much. Oh. And so when we have um, more inflammation from these pro-inflammatory cytokines, right? Like, pro-inflammatory, like, they're going to cause inflammation. Right. When we have more of these less neurotransmitters are going to be produced. And so less neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, and what's that going to result in? That's going to result in depression. Oh. And so when we have these pro-inflammatory cytokines levels being affected by our gut, and then these different levels affecting our neurotransmitters and our neurotransmitters producing less, then we have more, um, like less serotonin, less dopamine, and a more risk of depression. And so that's kind of like, that I found that super interesting, right? How, how does the gut actually affect the brain and like the, the different pathways it jumps through to get to that. And so I think our biggest takeaway, at least from this aspect, is that like the brain and the gut are pretty involved with each other, especially with like the limbic system, which is the stress and emotional center, um, but also like other parts of the brain, as we were saying earlier, like the HPA. Um, and overall, like it has a lot of implications for stress, anxiety, and you kind of see like, even though we didn't directly mention these things, um, you can see from like the mouse study from 2004, or like the different idea of it just connecting to the limbic system, how it can kind of affect our stress and anxiety. So I'm gonna hand it off to Adia. Adia, that was like a sort of like a bunch of different small like anecdotes, but you got a big one about Parkinson's, eh? I do. Just to add on though, what I think is really interesting from mm -hmm. like what Matthew was saying. So I don't know if you know, but like in terms of like hereditariness, like how genetic mm -hmm. things are, depression and anxiety are not, they're, they are genetic to some degree for sure, mm -hmm. um, but not as much as like, I, like a bipolar disorder yeah. or schizophrenia to some degree. Mm -hmm. And that's because, um, depression and anxiety are i would say largely biological mm -hmm. in that they have like the it's more of like you know they can be either like a, a, an issue with like your hormones or your um neuroscience your neurotransmitter levels and stuff like that so what i find particularly interesting here is like i feel like that would prove as more evidence for that mm -hmm. because it just it just shows how it's 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 depression expands more from just your neuroscience and your neurotransmitter levels and it connects to basically every part of you because your gut is like kind of the connection you have between every different aspect of you it's influenced by your diet it's influenced by your exercises it's influenced mm -hmm. by your sleep it's influenced by everything that you do and like vice versa it influences everything ah. as well and so i think that's just like kind of like a really interesting way of looking at it you know i well. think that's a great connection i mean like we were we were gonna look into yeah. the genetics of this but then we we scrapped it from the itinerary so if you really want to yeah. hear it let us know and we will do a follow-up <laughs> episode on this if you really liked it um but yeah i think the connection that like why we can explain how it comes from nurture or actually, I forgot which one is it. Which one's nature? Which one's nurture? <laughs> <laughs> nature, nature is biological. Nature is biological. So nurture is like, and we can kind of see how like nurture affects it, and then there's like a little bit of a nature aspect yeah, with our gut microbiome, definitely. but there's a lot of nurture aspects for it's, it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, moving on. Um, so the part, the one disease that I really wanted to touch on was Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. So Parkinson's, it's. Um, I'll give you just some background. So according to a Nature article titled How Gut Microbiomes Can Drive Our um, mm -hmm. Brain Disorders, Parkinson's has been tied to the gut microbiome a, like 
throughout the years. And so, in 1817, the English surgeon James, I know exactly. It's been like we've been thinking about this since like the 1800s. Uh, two, 200 years. <laughs> exactly, but like okay, so the uh, English surgeon James Parkinson treated a man with quote unquote numbing and prickling sensation in the arms, and he treated him with laxatives. After treating him with laxatives, all of his symptoms disappeared. It, it like completely, and that's insane, gone. right? Like that's crazy. Just gone. Like, cause Gosh. that is like those are like the hallmark symptoms of Parkinson's, right? Like that's what he was known for. And that was like 1817, where like medical is like not that developed. It's like exactly. And so we've miracle. been we've been thinking about that tie since like I mean like a very long time, right? Mm-hmm. And so he noticed um, Parkinson. He he noticed that there was a noticeable. Um, accumulation in the gut and after cleaning out his bowels or like you know the harmful pathogens that have been built up there his symptoms disappeared and so i know it's it's wild i think it's so interesting and so a little background on the neurodegenerative disorder parkinson's the well-known symptoms of the disorder are hand tremors stiff and slow movements like having choppy movements while you like walk and while we don't know what causes neuronal death in the movement center of the brain otherwise known as the basal ganglia it has been tied to the misfolding of protein asynuclein um oh. a being alpha um which build up and start clumping and those clumps are called Lewy bodies okay. and so interestingly according to new studies from john hopkins there is research to support that misfolded proteins in the gut actually send signals up to the brain via the vagus nerve which ali talked about mm-hmm. and um misfolded proteins then transmit the error up the vagus nerve until proteins in the brain eventually misfold oh. so it's like that signal from the gut i don't know like i guess it's like that harmful bacteria buildup but they're basically telling like your brain like oh you should misfold your proteins you should misfold your proteins you should misfold your proteins and then eventually yeah. they do and then those Louis bodies start forming oh. and it's so it's wild right i wonder if it's like related a little bit to what matthew said earlier about like the bndf what helps the brain
Here we go. First, diet. So, the according to the Raman Institute of Research, they looked at a bunch of different diets and their effects on the brain. Mm -hmm. And so, the diet that they found was the most healthy was, drumroll please, <laughs> the Mediterranean diet. <laughs> So, that kind of makes sense, right? That, that does make sense. They're high in fiber, which is really good for your immune system and, you know, making sure you're cleaning out those bacteria. They have a lot of fermented food. Yep. They have, like, garlic, onions, leeks. They incorporate fish. They have, like, a bunch of omega-3s. Omega <laughs> and so there's, like, a bunch of different super good stuff for your gut microbiome in the Mediterranean meal. So if you're like, I don't know what I'm going to be eating, go hit up that recipe for the mm -hmm. Mediterranean meal and go cook yourself a Mediterranean meal because the effects on cognition and mood and the limbic system are so good. Just one thing. Don't eat too much or you'll be bloated, especially if you're just transitioning to a new diet, like, immediately. Yes, be, like, be mindful that, like, your changes in diet definitely affect your gut microbiome, right? So if you make a dramatic shift in your yeah. diet, like, all of a sudden, your your microbiome's going to be like, what is going on? Uh, like, this is insane. Like, we're going to end then this symbiosis is going to occur, right? Your gut microbiome is going to have re-entry anxiety. It's stop. <laughs> Not the call Go back. check out our last episode if you haven't yet. Shameless promo. Super hormone. good. Shameless promo. Okay, so... So then, you know, aside from diet, like we mm -hmm. mentioned before, medication is very important. So antibiotics, if you are regularly using antibiotics, especially when you shouldn't be using antibiotics, that will drastically, like screw up your your microbiome like yeah. it'll it'll mess with it a lot basically your your antibiotics they kill off your gut microbiome right they mm -hmm. kill off the point is to kill off those pathogenic bacteria but in yeah. the process they often also kill off that healthy um like bacteria and so what happens is that if you keep using it again and again what'll happen is not only will that lead to more antibiotic resistance which is a mm -hmm. real problem in like the medical community um and, and in treating bacterial infection but also you will be reducing the biodiversity of the microbiome like of mm -hmm. the of the bacteria in your microbiomes which will make you more vulnerable to disease and so it's kind of like a, it's a, it's an awful cycle you get into yeah. where you just need different antibiotics and more strong antibiotics to fight mm. against infection and so be careful and always question your doctor like is it necessary for me to go on antibiotics and just be conscious of that yeah and this is like not to say don't take antibiotics right, of because course. often like you do need to kill off those bad pathogens but if you just completely rely on antibiotics for every like every little thing yeah. and everything like the it could be it could actually be more harmful than good because Absolutely. of the way that your gut microbiome currently acts like whether it's for physical or mental health um and like when you mess with it too much like it's not gonna be that good for you right. and so it's like kind of counterintuitive but mm -hmm. it it that's how it works i'd like to add something to that mm -hmm. like um if you abuse antibiotics yeah you can, it can also lead to like the um bacteria evolving and like the creation of super bacteria Ooh, oh um, <laughs> super bacteria are super scary that's <laughs> like, terrifying they're really scary yeah, yeah so exactly. So that's led to like drugs like penicillin not really working like they should anymore, oh, and that's, that's really so terrible because then you won't be too, you won't be able to treat so many diseases mm. if um, that super bacteria gets transmitted transmitted to someone else, and that just creates so many more problems. That's also really bad for people with autoimmune disorders, like mm -hmm. chronic autoimmune disorders who are already at risk for mm -hmm. developing disorders or illness. Yeah. Like that puts them at even more risk. It's just yeah. really dangerous and a little bit of a grim future for where we're <laughs> heading, but we're fight we're trying to fight against it as best as we can. So, yeah. yeah. All right, and number three, we have dieting, we have medication. Our third tip is sleep. And so with sleep <laughs> wow, it actually goes crazy. kind of two ways, right? 
it's kind of like a cycle like our, our kind of this whole episode has been about how like the it's bi-directional right the brain affects the gut the gut affects the brain and so for sleep it's kind of the same if we have a good microbiome in the gut like we're gonna get better sleep it's gonna yeah. affect like our brain and how we sleep and then on the flip side if if the way we if we sleep badly like short-term sleep deprivation especially we're gonna like alter our gut microbiome composition and that's not gonna be good for our health and then that's not gonna be good for our sleep and then it just goes in a circle in a and circle, that makes sense circle. right like when you're when you're really exhausted and when you're sleep deprived you you get into that like stress mode right or at least mm-hmm. i do where like you become a lot more alert and your sympathetic nervous system is activated it and is. your brain sends those signals to your gut saying like hey we're under a lot of stress right now mm-hmm. so maybe you should be you know producing those bacteria that you know may cause inflammatory things like for your immune system and that may be like that may mean like you get you'll get sick or you're more at risk for you know like anything like that if that yeah yeah, yeah yeah no i get what you're saying mm-hmm. all right and the last one surprise surprise no one could have guessed no exercise one. we have been establishing how physical health is so incredibly tied to your gut which is so incredibly tied with your brain mm-hmm. and so obviously exercise is important you need to make sure that you are getting out there getting a good mix of cardio you know strength building making sure that you're keeping your body active keeping your body healthy because of course if your body is not healthy if your diet is not healthy then how can your microbiome keep you healthy yeah exactly you gotta it, you gotta be good to them and they'll be good to you right yeah exactly so. and like, it, it, it like as as you would expect right exercise kind of enhances the diversity of the microbiome it makes it more abundant like you have more of these good bacteria in your gut that is like influencing you in a better way it's like helping lift your mood and everything and that's also yeah. another way how yeah. exercise impacts your mood right like whenever I go work out like after I work out like mm-hmm. I feel a lot better mentally right and it definitely has to do with this like gut microbiome connection mm. yeah okay and so that's gonna wrap it up for our episode thank you all so much for joining us again if you made it this far we're so so <laughs> happy to share it with you and we're so excited um let us know in the comments where or sorry let us know in the description or the comments or contact us via email um if you have anything else you want to learn about and we will be very happy to make an episode for you about it all the studies that we've talked about is going to be in the description just like our previous episodes um Make sure you subscribe on Spotify or whatever listening platform you're using. It really helps us out. And we'll see you next time. We will. Bye. Bye.